We are the Narrators 3, Elisa, Lynn, and Chell. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch, where every plot device comes with a price. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 1, Episode 16, Heart of Darkness. The original air date for this episode was March 18th, 2012. The writers for this episode were Andrew Chambliss and Ian Goldberg. We know this writer duo from The Shepherd and Fruit of the Poisonous Tree, which means they can be extremely hit or miss. <laughs> the director was Dean White, who we know from Snow Falls, True North, and What Happened to Frederick, so really the same could be said for him. <laughs> the title card of this episode is Jiminy Cricket. We begin in the Enchanted Forest, where Prince Charming and Red are on the run from King George's Knights. Charming hops on his horse, but Red tells the prince to take off without her as she's giving him a head start. As he rides away, Red turns into a wolf and lunges towards the pack of knights who are chasing them. As Charming rides away, we catch a glimpse of Snow White's wanted poster. Red is so hot and badass in this scene, just Jesus fucking Christ. Ah, oh, she's so cool. And I just, I really love this scene as a follow-up to last week's Red Handed. Because here we see, we see Red who now, she owns her powers. She's confident and brave. And I love that for her. It, it made me really happy to see her like this. No, me Stupid, too. sexy wolf girl. Oh, I know. My God, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love her. She's owning it and that makes her hotter. She's so good. We flash to Storybrooke where Emma is taking Mary Margaret's mug shots at the sheriff's office. While Emma doesn't believe Mary Margaret killed Catherine, she has to go where the evidence leads. Dumbfounded, Mary Margaret says there is something not right. The evidence leading to her being capable of cutting out Catherine's heart and burying it is completely insane. Though it is part of her line, I think buried is a very strong word. It was a shallow hole covered with a warped piece of wood. True, but in Mary Margaret's defense, it's what she was told. She wasn't there. Oh no, for sure. (laughs) Like she doesn't know that it was all like, we just dropped a piece of wood over it and called it a day. <laughs> yeah. Because so like when we saw when we saw it last episode, Emma was like, "We found your box buried in the woods." That's <laughs> yeah, true. And it wasn't even in the woods. It was like it wasn't even properly like away enough. Like that no. box, honestly, and the high tide would have totally gotten swept away. Regina should probably be ashamed of herself for the shitty job she did. But she was just like, "I need this found, just like one inch of dirt." I don't trust the dummies in this town to find it if I don't make it obvious. (laughs) I I know she may as well. Do you remember like that part in Beetlejuice where like they're looking for Beetlejuice's grave and it's just like these blinking neon lights with the arrows pointing? Exactly. (laughs) I feel like that's what Regina does feel like she has to do. Like she's just (laughs) like everyone in this town is so stupid. If I don't just like put a giant sign being like Catherine's heart is here. They will never find it. Anyway. Emma says that if she shows Mary Margaret any favoritism, Regina will have her fired and replace her with someone who will railroad Mary Margaret. She begs for Mary Margaret's patience and trust as they are waiting for their test results to confirm the DNA of the heart in the box. Reluctantly, Mary Margaret agrees while adding under her breath that this is all crazy as she would never hurt anyone. I do really like that Emma tries to be as soft as possible with Mary Margaret in this scene here at the police station. She's like, I have to see this through, but but I believe in you. And and seeing Emma having such a strong belief in, in something, in anything, is really lovely to see. Like, look at her grow. She's growing so much. And she cares so much about her friend who we know is actually her mom, but she doesn't believe that part yet. But still, she loves her friend mom so much. It's very sweet. We all, we all love our mom friend. 
We all have our mom friends. friends. We all have a mom, mom friend. Friends we love. are great. Mary Margaret's the ultimate mom friend. She is. Mm-hmm. She bakes cookies for everyone. I it's know. true. <laughs> she takes in all the strays. We return to the enchanted forest where Snow White is sweeping and humming in the cottage she lives in with the dwarves. I really love this cottage core Snow White look. It's very soft. I think they did something really cool with this look. So I was comparing this outfit versus the outfit under her cloak in her initial on the run get up. And I believe the costume designer actually intentionally made this look like a repurpose of that outfit. I, I think the intention was to make it look like she reconstructed this new outfit out of an older one since her resources are limited. And I love that. I believe it's the same skirt and the blouse is like a remake of the blouse. Like it's like cut down the center and then made into a wrap. I think they intentionally did that. And I think that's a wonderful touch. That's a great detail. Yeah. It is. I mean, when, when they're on, they're on. Yeah. Yeah. She stretches out her hand invitingly for a bird who happily accepts. Snow gently perches the bird on the table before she takes a mighty swing at it with her broom. The bird thankfully escapes, enraging Snow to chase it around the room until it escapes through an open window. Grumpy enters and asks her what she is doing. Getting rid of the vermin in this house, she says gruffly. Grumpy announces that it's dinner time. Snow isn't hungry, but Grumpy tells her he and the dwarves have, quote-unquote, made something extra special tonight. Snow's look says, it better be a pint of that dwarf ale with a whiskey chaser. Oh yeah, she mad. (laughs) <laughs> she, she real big, mad she she big mad she big mad. mad she big mad energy she reluctantly joins them only to find an atmosphere of tense earnestness jiminy cricket flies over to snow who tries to swat at him he is there to tell her that her friends have something to tell her thus begins snow white's enchanted intervention mm-hmm. i love the little translator device around jiminy's neck I thought it was a speaker at first to like amplify his voice, but I saw concept art that shows that it translates from cricket speech to English. So that's really, really cute. It's a really cute little detail. I actually wrote no notes. I was like, oh, I think he has a little speaker, but that's that's so cute that it's it's a cricket speech translator. Yeah, I thought it was just a speaker too. That's, That's very cute that it's a translator. I had no idea. So cute. Grumpy begins reading a letter claiming she's changed. She's become irritable, angry, and downright mean. The other dwarves read their letters. Even Happy is telling her how nasty and horrible she's been. And this part has one of my favorite lines in the whole series. Because Happy is like, you broke my mug. And Snow goes, you're lucky it wasn't that mug you call a face. And it's truly beautiful. I know, and I love the (laughs) follow-up of Grumpy going, Look what you're doing to Happy. <laughs> I know it's such it's such a comedy gold scene. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, like, no, this, this whole this whole scene, this whole is, scene is like it's so heartbreaking, good. but it's hilarious too. Because it begins with the whole part with like you brought hay in, even though you knew I was allergic, and she's just going, "You're allergic to everything." <laughs> I know, <laughs> but I just love like I love like the intervention, and then like Grumpy's like, "Dear Snow, you have changed." I know him just, just robotically stiltedly reading. reading it because he's so bad at this, but he's trying so hard. <laughs> it's That's very, a great little scene. It's very good. I feel like this scene is honestly one of the best scenes in all of Once Upon a Time, in my yes. opinion. Oh yeah, it's great. Grumpy tells her the potion she drank to erase the prince from her mind changed her. Snow insists the potion was the solution and not the problem. She says the problem is that she's living with dwarves instead of in her palace with her father as a princess. She's angry at the queen. Jiminy says that her anger is understandable, but it isn't fair of her to take it out on her friends. 
Snow says he's right and that she should be taking it out on her. Worriedly, Jiminy begs Snow not to go down the path of revenge as it will forever change her, but Snow silences him by placing a bell jar over him. Good news, fellas, Snow announces. You can quit your complaining because I'm leaving. With a determined air about her, Snow grabs her pack and a pickaxe as Grumpy fearfully asks her where she is going. Snow replies simply, to kill the queen. Damn, that Snow White is so hot right now. I literally wrote down the exact same note for this moment. (laughs) That's probably not your pickaxe, Snow. It's hers now. She's angry. (laughs) Dwarf name. Dwarf name is angry. We flash forward to Storybrooke. Emma escorts Mary Margaret to an interview room and finds Regina there as a third-party witness to ensure Emma stays impartial. The notion of Regina being impartial at all is fucking rich. Yeah. But whatever. Yeah. Here we are. (laughs) Emma proceeds with questioning, beginning with the details of a heart buried by the toll bridge. She asks if Mary Margaret has ever been out there before. Mary Margaret replies that she met David there many times as they were having an affair but it does not change the fact that she did not kill Catherine. Emma removes the box in which the heart was found from the evidence locker and shows it to Mary Margaret, who is shocked to recognize it as her own jewelry box. Mary Margaret insists it must have been stolen. Regina grasps Mary Margaret's hand and claims to empathize, telling her she knows what it's like to lose someone you love, to be publicly humiliated, to find herself in a dark place and have it change her. Ma'am, You better not be talking about Graham, who you, you know, fucking murdered. I think she's talking about a spoiler character who we may or may not meet in a future episode's future flashback, but I think that's who she's talking about. Um, Maybe. Yeah, I I feel like she's playing it for sympathy, though, which she's done with Graham's death about 20 times at this point. No, I mean, she's she's alluded to the spoiler character from the get go, though. And yeah, there's been a few times she's been like, there's been a few times that she said it. Yeah, like to Catherine. Yeah, to Catherine. She did it to the. Yeah, it's it's the spoiler character for sure. Yeah. See, I had always assumed that when she'd been bringing it up, that she'd been like trying to play the Graham angle for sympathy with everyone because she has a name dropped. I literally think that everyone has just forgotten about Graham through the laziness of the writing. I hate that. Well, I hate that too. The, but, but that's but Graham. that's absolutely a fucking fact. Like, I remember the, the him. Boots, the Graham boots and the shoelace around Emma's. Yeah, Emma is, the, is literally the only person who Ugh. remembers and gives a shit. Horrified by the implication, Mary Margaret pulls her hand back and insists again that she is a good person and she did not commit this horrendous act. Emma pulls Regina outside and reminds Regina that she, Emma, is supposed to be doing the questioning. Regina asks Emma how she's so sure Mary Margaret didn't do it. She says there would have been signs of a break-in if the jewelry box had been stolen and reiterates to Emma that Mary Margaret had her heart broken, which can make people do unspeakable things. Back in the Enchanted Forest, we see Snow on her quest for revenge. She sets up a trap to knock a knight off his horse and violently interrogates him for information on the queen's whereabouts. Yikes, I felt that clothespin right in my throat when I saw him go down. <laughs> like it was cool though. It, oh no, it was totally badass, <laughs> but I was just like, <laughs> The knight squeals like a piggy, telling Snow that the queen is in her castle, but will be leaving in the morning for the summer palace. She tells him the summer palace was built for her mother and knocks him out with the back of the pickaxe. I'm just very attracted to Snow White in this episode. She, she is 
incredibly hot. In this yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> it's unreasonable, to be honest. Grumpy finds her taking the knight's armor. And then Grumpy's just like, don't put that ugly helmet on. It's not worth its sister. Don't Although, do it. speaking of that helmet, though, did you have you guys noticed that in this episode, those little flares are noticeably smaller. Like, they are not as prominent as they were. It seemed a little more subtle. It was a lot. Complained. They, like, they must have. They've been like, you know, these, these look stupid. Like, <laughs> like, hey, guys, we're loving your show. Really loving what you're doing with it. But here's the thing. <laughs> No one can deal with these fucking helmets. We hate the sight of them. Just a kindly worded letter. <laughs> Snow says she's going to do whatever she has to do to get into the castle. Grumpy says she is too lost in her bloodthirst and cannot even see reality anymore. Snow says she does not need to be lectured by a dwarf with a bad attitude. Grumpy reveals he did not follow her to lecture her, but to help her. Grumpy is going to take her back to Rumpelstiltskin so he can reverse the memory-altering effects of the potion. Snow insists she does not want her memories back, but Grumpy reminds her that it changed her and perhaps Rumpelstiltskin can at least bring her back to the person she used to be. Grumpy further tells Snow that as the most powerful man in the world, Rumpelstiltskin can do anything. This gets her attention. Back in Storybrooke, Emma is searching Mary Margaret's loft for signs of a break-in when Henry shows up to see how he can help, because Henry is such a good boy. Not gonna lie, their front door looks pretty beat up. It's stripped of paint and looks like it could be huffed and puffed and blown down. Mr. Gold should probably fix that. I mean, the door looks shitty enough that I really wonder where the argument for there's no way someone could have forcibly broke in <laughs> <Yeah>. comes from. <laughs> right, exactly. I know, I was, I was thinking that. I was like, um... No, it like, clearly she's like, looks well, like has there been a, She's like, have you seen signs of a break-in? And I'm like, the whole door is pretty mm-hmm. beat to shit. Like, yeah, it looks like it's been broken into several times. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's a crime scene about 50 times over, Regina. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> Emma tries to deter him, but is unsuccessful. Emma explains her search for signs of a break-in as a setup is the only logical reason for the evidence to point to Mary Margaret. Problem is, no one has a motive, Emma says. Henry casually reminds Emma that his mother, Regina, has a motive as she hates Snow White. Emma doubts this motive will hold up in court. They hear a mysterious rattling noise and trace it to a floor vent where Emma investigates, discovering a knife hidden inside. Oh, fuck this. Is that Graham's hunting knife? Is it? I mean, I know it was like super like fantasy over the top and I was like, oh, that's really extra, Regina, but I bet it is Graham's knife and... And that's ouch. That's actually like, awful. Yeah, I want to yeah. go back and compare screenshots. I didn't do it before we recorded, but oh I mean, my I God. think you might be right because I mean, I didn't make the connection, but I definitely was all like, why is there just this Ren Fair ass knife here? Yeah. Why is it this Ren Fair ass knife? That makes sense. The one that she planted on on Mary Margaret was like the one that was supposed to cut out her heart like back in the yes. past that oh I mean, yeah that, oh my yeah. god oh my god oh Elisa oh no that would be such yeah. fucking symbolism yes oh, man. okay it's... now I'm positive it's grand yeah because then oh. it's then it's her finishing the job yeah oh, oh that oh, damn. damn Regina so much 
Damn, Regina, you cold. You cold. I mean, maybe we're giving the show too much credit, but if that's what they did, fuck, that's good continuity. They have some great, like, little follow-through continuities parts, which is which is so interesting because the show has such a mix because sometimes continuity is just out the window, and sometimes they have these amazing continuity follow-throughs, so you never really know what you're going to get. Oh, but, for sure. That's why I'm like, when it's on, it's on. It's on. It's so on, and I, I think this this moment is on. I think it is Graham's, Graham's knife. I think it was the knife he was supposed to cut out Snow White's heart with. Shit. Uh, Good yeah. job, once upon a time. Man. Sorry, we're all sitting with that for just a hot minute. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time. We got to move on. Henry's here. What's he doing? Well, he's drinking his sorrows in a cinnamon topped hot chocolate at Granny's Diner when my least favorite man in the entire world <laughs> sidles up to him. Who should fuck off? Really, August should fuck off and stop bothering this child. You're a creep. Why is no one alarmed by this weirdo grown man who won't stop bothering this kid he doesn't know? He's got to be on some kind of a watch list. <laughs> like, do they not have the if you see something, say something signs up around Storybrooke? Come on. No. No, they have the night, the Welcome to Night Vale posters up, which is if you see something, say, <laughs> say nothing, nothing and drink, and to, drink forget. to forget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I, yeah, I think you're right. That is also Storybrooke's motto because someone should just fucking come on no one's as upset as i am about august apparently no, they, i town. mean they just let random randos wander into the school at any old day oh that's like true slapping, slapping teachers and yeah. making a fuss hitting on teachers good lord they just let randos just wander on in storybrook does not care about the safety of your children they just look not. at the new playground i know they're like nothing ever happens in storybrook so let's create some am <laughs> let's make a playground out of knives <laughs> pretty much <laughs> giant knives because that's what that fucking playground is <laughs> <laughs> acknowledging that henry is upset about mary margaret's arrest august insists that the answers henry is looking for will not be found at the bottom of his mug no shit sherlock i hate august <laughs> August, the dumbass, urges Henry to look to his book for answers instead. Henry says it's just a book. But August says they both know that's not the case, revealing his belief that Henry's book is filled with stories that really happened. Henry's interest is piqued. August tells Henry he's also a believer as well as a phenomenal douche, and he wants to help <laughs> others to see the light, and specifically Emma. Thinking a grown-up's words will help, bad choice in this case, Henry asks why August does not just tell Emma that the book is real. August explains that unlike Henry and himself, who can go off faith, Emma needs proof. Henry says the last time he went looking for proof, he got trapped in a mine shaft. There are less dangerous places to look, August says with a meaningful tap on Henry's book before taking off. Henry opens up the book to the page with a picture of Prince Charming. One of the least horrible screen cap cartoon filter shots from the book. Yeah, it's not as bad as they usually are. Every once in a while, they don't completely make me recoil. <laughs> but <laughs> Henry's face journey through through August telling him that he believes in the stories of the book is is very good, though. And, like, August sucks, but it's, it's actually a really nice moment for Henry to have someone, like, actually uh, validifying his beliefs. I thought it was a nice moment for Henry. Yeah, Jared uh, Skillmore his his little em emotions or emoting journey as you said uh 
is really delightful to watch in this scene where he's like, oh, you do believe me? Like, no, okay. uh, he's just Henry is wonderful so and perfect and a very good boy. Mm-hmm. But Bernie Sanders meme, I'm once again asking you to not assign good qualities to August. <laughs> I'm very sorry. <laughs> You're putting our whole relationship on the rocks with this I continued know, nonsense. I know. <laughs> oh no, the wedding's <laughs> off. <laughs> Moving past August, who I hate, we're going back to the Enchanted Forest. Prince Charming comes across the knight who Snow White assaulted. The knight is naked and cold and accepts a blanket from the prince as he talks about Snow White's attack and the plan to kill the queen. The prince refuses to believe that Snow is bloodthirsty, insisting he knows her, a notion which the knight challenges. Flash forward to the mayor's office in Storybrook. David visits Regina and tells her he doesn't believe Mary Margaret could have killed Catherine. Regina glosses over what he is actually saying, lamenting that it is painful when someone we care about betrays us. Oh, David, you absolute moron. Regina is not your bestie. Mr. Gold is. Go visit him. Yeah, for some fucking reason, she still has emergency contact. (laughs) David insists Mary Margaret is a good person, but Regina tries to put doubt in this, telling David everyone has a dark side. Pointed look. David says he doesn't think Mary Margaret could do such an evil thing, as that is not what she is. Regina says she believes that evil isn't born, it's made. David tells Regina she doesn't know much about evil. Regina asks him if he does not believe Mary Margaret committed this crime, who did? David starts to wonder whether he blacked out and did it himself. At the very least, he hopes to clear Mary Margaret's name. Regina says that evil does not always look evil, that is, sometimes staring right at us and we don't even realize it irony regina says it's me i'm evil (laughs) hi evil i'm dad (laughs) it's me i'm evil i'm evil (laughs) it's like all excitedly and shit (laughs) to which david very stupidly says hi evil i'm dad and shakes her hand Oh my god, he would. Because he a dummy. Yes, he's just Bless a him. big, dumb, golden retriever. Bless him right in his big, dumb, pretty face. He is uh, a dad. He just don't know it yet. He just don't know it yet. That's why it works. That's why it was funny. He, he's a grandpappy. He is. He is a grandpappy. Meanwhile, at the police station, a petrified Mary Margaret tells Emma she doesn't even know where the heating vent in her room is located. Um, It's like right in the middle of the room. Like, this was a bad line, considering how prominently placed that vent is. Maybe she just always thought it was just the grate in her room, and she didn't Maybe know it wasn't that. there before. Oh. Because, like... Regina just brings, like, a whole team of fucking, <laughs> like... It's just Regina and Marco. It's poor Marco, because he's, like, the only handyman He's the in only town. one who does anything in <laughs> this town, and he's so tired. I was going to be like, it's Sydney, because he's the only one that will actually help her from things. <laughs> He's watching YouTube videos on how to like install heating and <laughs> she's just like laying on Mary Margaret's bed with her with her fucking shoes with on. With her goddamn shoes on. Ugh. I mean, my assumption was that she's like the weirdo magical architect of this place. So she managed to just like make one appear there where there hadn't been one before. But the idea of Sydney having to like pull up YouTube tutorials and figure this shit out <laughs> is way way funnier than my magical architecture idea. (laughs) Emma says there were no signs of a break-in 
despite what we've already discussed about the door. And though she still believes Mary Margaret is innocent, Emma suggests that Mary Margaret get a lawyer. An excellent idea, says Mr. Gold, who has just shown up to offer his legal services to Mary Margaret. Yay! Godfather Gold to the rescue! Just shows up like, you rang? <laughs> he does get there really fast. I, yeah. I kind of want to wonder, like, was he just, like, hovering in the doorway for, like, the most dramatic moment to, like, slide in? I'm sure he was. It's like, like the devil. Like when you, when you, it's like the devil. When you speak his name, he thus appears. <laughs> He totally wasn't just standing in the hallway outside the door for 15 minutes waiting for like the most apt moment. moment. Do a little false start. (laughs) Being like, wait, and and no, 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 that's not okay. Cool your jets. And now, no, no, okay. (laughs) (laughs) When the incarcerated teacher asks why she should hire him, he tells her that when Sheriff Swan had him arrested for nearly beating Mo French, there's that name again, to death, he managed to persuade the judge to drop the charges. Emma argues that asserting his influence is not what is needed, which he disagrees with. Emma wants him to leave, but Mary Margaret is open to his assistance, recognizing that she needs all the help she can obtain. Emma leaves with a warning look at Mr. Gold. A suddenly cagey Mary Margaret tells Mr. Gold she can't pay him. He reminds her that he did not ask for money. When Mary Margaret asks why he is doing this, Mr. Gold evasively answers that he's invested in her future. Gee, that's not creepy at all. It's, you know, just a little ominous. (laughs) It's diet ominous. Back in the Enchanted Forest, Grumpy and Snow are at the Dark Castle where Rumpelstiltskin is at his spinning wheel. Listening as Grumpy complains that the potion Snow drank changed her. Of course it changed her, Rumpelstiltskin says. It took away her love, left a big hole in her heart. He says there's no cure, that no potion can bring back true love because it's the most powerful magic of all. It is the only magic he has been unable to bottle. If one can bottle love, one can do anything. He turns his attention to Snow, asking her what she really wants. She says she wants his help to kill the queen. Now we're talking, dearie, says Rumpelstiltskin, as he gives her a bow and arrow that always hit its target. Additionally, he gives her a map of the route the queen will be taking to the Summer Palace, and points out the perfect spot from which Snow will be able to fire the bow and arrow. Grumpy interjects, stating that if Snow takes that bow, she will do it alone which she scoffs off. As she accepts the bow and arrow, Snow asks Rumpel what he wants in return. Rumpelstiltskin merely replies he wants nothing from her this time, as he has invested in her future. I love that Rumpelstiltskin is just like, hell yeah, I hate Regina. Let's totally do a murder. Yeah, he's so giddy <laughs> she wants to kill the queen. It's it's very funny, honestly. It is, because he like turns on a dime, because he seems almost bored when Grumpy's like, you need to fix her. Fix and he's friend. just like, I don't, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. You, sweetie, what do you want? And she's like, murder. And he's like, oh, fucking right, let's murder. Yeah, we had some, some pretty manic Rumpelstiltskin's laughs yes. in this scene, I feel like. Yes, he's yeah. very, he's all, he's like, I'm always down for murder. Yeah, Hell he's yeah, so excited. you know I'm down. Then Grumpy's just sitting there pouting like, you ruined my sweet friend. I hate you, put her back. And then <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin's all, I made her better. He's like, what are you talking about? She's great now. Look how hot she is. <laughs> Look how wonderful and delightful she is now. I, I, I don't mind hanging out with her now. I love her. She wants to murder. She's great. She's my new best friend. Shut up, dwarf. Murder friends. <laughs> We quickly jump forward to Storybrook, where David pays a visit to Dr. Archie Hopper. Archie is finally here. We haven't seen him in ages. I missed him. I love that guy. Me too. He's cute. He asks him for help remembering what happened during his blackouts. 
When Archie asks why, David answers that he thinks he will remember something that helps Mary Margaret. In the Enchanted Forest, Prince Charming marches into the dark castle, calling out for Rumpelstiltskin. After a bit of taunting about Charming dressing like a prince still, despite running away from the life he gave him, the prince bitterly replies that Rumpelstiltskin gave him a prison sentence. Which you now started, Rumpelstiltskin adds, warning Charming that King George is a vengeful man. Charming gets back on track, saying he has come about Snow White seeking the wizard's help to kill the queen. Charming draws his sword, much to Rumpelstiltskin's amusement, and demands to know what Rumpel did to her. You come into my house yelling and kicking up a fuss, making demands, insult me, draw a sword, and then demand free services? <sighs> I hate the 1%. <laughs> Charming does look so handsome here, though. So that, handsome. That cloak is so epic. No wonder Rumpelstiltskin is about to ask him for it because he wants to walk around that and do some swishing himself. Because it's, <laughs> wow, wow, it's so good. <laughs> I love that he's just so amused by him. He's just like, look at you. Oh, yeah, he is not taking him seriously. No, No, not an ounce of him. He's having a great day. He really is. This is great. He has no care for the two men that have come blustering into his house today. He's all like, the hot murder hobo that came in. She was cool, and we can be friends. These two guys need to get off my porch, though. (laughs) I think sparring with Charming is a nice break in his day. (laughs) <laughs> like he's just like, oh, this is this, this is fun. This is fun. This is, this is exercise. This is fun. This is fun. This is fun. She did this again. Yeah, we got this cool cloak. <laughs> the wizard counters that Charming caused Snow White pain, that she would never have drank his potion to forget Charming otherwise. Rumpel tells the prince that the kiss of Twoo Love will reverse the potion's effect. In return for information on Snow White's whereabouts, Rumpelstiltskin wants the prince's cloak. Confused by such a simple request, Rumpelstiltskin explains it's drafty in here. Nonplussed, Charming readily gives it up. By the way, every time I watch this episode. <laughs> I was just going to say, Charming, re- nonplussed, Charming readily gives it up. I mean, I'm not that's touching that with a 10 foot pole. That's, that's. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about the it's drafty in here line. <laughs> Man, uh, I think I've seen that tag on AO3. <laughs> you know there were plenty of dirty jokes that i have passed along in this in this episode in particular Let okay me you, you can have that one you can have that one thank you i just was going to say every time i watch this episode i laugh very stupidly at the way rumpelstiltskin goes it's drafty in here i it's don't know why good. it's comedy gold but it is his delivery is, is amazing his, 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 i love i love when he like really gets into the rumpelstiltskin like voice and like giddiness it's just so funny it's really it's really fun to watch i feel like i feel like he had a very good time with it in this episode oh yeah i, I love that charming's just like he's so bewildered by the request that he's just like like I, it, takes okay, a, okay. it takes a second to process it and then he's just like he's like I, I guess maybe it is drafty in here i mean it's a big old castle castles are drafty <laughs> like just, he, he very right. much, i feel like it's like you see it like a very old computer just like processing processing <laughs> yes. processing and then it's just like file not found and he's like okay here cloak yeah because he's, he's try- it's like he's trying to figure out like okay what like what how is this sinister want with this thing like there's got to be some there's there's there, it can't just be a cloak there's got to be something weird here right right i can't think of i i don't i don't he here i guess take it i don't i'm so sure. confused life is hard for me yeah <laughs> Bless him. I love him. And it's funny because earlier we saw Rumpelstiltskin wearing like 
it like a jacket, like a form-fitting jacket, because mm-hmm. it was over the outfit that he yeah. is wearing. So it's not like he does not own his own. Oh no, he has but, he has jackets, he has cloaks, he has he has blankets too. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But like, I I feel like Charming's not smart enough to put that all. Together. No, of course not sweet dumb him like listen i love him this is not me ragging on charming i don't want anyone to think i'm ragging on charming he's my boy but he's not smart no he's a himbo i love himbos but he tries his best exactly that's why he is a himbo yeah he's he's a hero because he tries his best even Mm -hmm. if you know he's not he's kind and very strong and his heart's in the right place he's just also dumb he readily gives it up he readily gives it up (laughs) god bless him continue and we love him for it mm-hmm. <laughs> rumpelstiltskin gives the prince the same map he gave to snow but warns the prince to find her quickly as this deadly deed will turn snow as dark as the woman she intends to kill dashing out of the dark castle charming insists that snow isn't evil to which rumpelstiltskin corrects him claiming that evil isn't born it's made if snow starts down that road you'll never get her back we cut to the wintry forest where Snow White is setting up her perch to watch for the queen's retinue. Charming surprises her from behind, causing Snow to fight against him. Fellas, do not follow Himbo McGee's piss poor example here. Never sneak up on a woman. Even if she knows you, she's gonna knock you the fuck out. There is no recognition in her eyes as she thrashes against him, demanding to know who he is and what he wants. Helping you remember, says the big dum-dum as he foolishly plants a kiss on her. With a big, goofy grin on his himbo face, Charming says, I told you, I will always find you. In response, Snow smashes him upside the head with a rock, knocking his ass out cold. I'm glad she's gone back to her roots of bludgeoning men with rocks. You got knocked the fuck out! (laughs) With a rock. In Storybrooke, Henry is waiting on the stairs outside the loft as Emma arrives home. He proudly shows her his proof that his mom is guilty of framing Mary Margaret, the comically large key ring containing all of the keys Regina owns. He read in his book that they will open any door. Henry proceeds to try keys to no avail, pushing Emma's impatience and fatigue. Henry insists that they try once more and that Emma picks the key and the door opens. Do you believe now? asks Henry. Henry, you smart lad. He is a very good boy. I wish we could have seen a close-up of the key that they use. On one side is a skull and the other side is an apple. I saw the concept art. It's really nice. Oh man, they should have they should have shown us that. In the Enchanted Forest, Prince Charming comes to and finds himself tied up. A cold and distant snow. <laughs> I saw that tag on <laughs> Oh madam. <laughs> <laughs> See, aren't you glad, though, I'm being equal opportunist and I'm not just talking about Rumpelstiltskin? No, no, I appreciate it. Thank you. (laughs) A cold and distant snow figures that he is the man who she forgot via Rumpelstiltskin's potion. The prince does not understand why true love's kiss did not work. Snow insists it is because she doesn't love him. Charming declares that they love each other, but a disgusted snow says that love is made of words and words mean nothing to her. Taking action means something to her, and she is as determined as ever to kill the queen. He begs her not to kill the queen. You can't kill her, he exclaims. Really? Snarls Snow as she picks up the bow and arrow. Watch me. She is just 
so hot. I think the part is really interesting that Snow here says, says love is made of words and words mean nothing to her. Taking action means something. I think this is actually a really interesting parallel to kind of this plot that's been going on with Mary Margaret and David because he keeps saying like, I... I want to be with you like I choose you but then not actually doing something like never taking action and that's kind of how they got in this present day storyline mess uh in the first place so I'm like oh this actually this flashback actually makes a really nice parallel yeah when they have the falling out doesn't she even say something about those are just words David I think so so then it is a pretty bunch of straight line yeah wow Look at you, Elisa. You are just I know, on you, top got... of this thinking <laughs> class. You've got your sleuth hat on tonight. My sleuth hat. <laughs> also, I feel like another good time to point out how much better charming he is than David. Yeah. 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 Speaking of which, in Storybrooke, where the disappointing version is, Dr. Hopper asks David to go back to his last memory of talking to Catherine. The phone call between them was Catherine giving David her blessing to be with Mary Margaret but that though she was hurt, Catherine wanted David to be happy. As David is retracing his memories, the ones from Storybrooke and the Enchanted Forest converge in his mind, and he sees a flash of who he thinks is Mary Margaret, but is actually Snow White, in the forest, and he is shouting, you can't kill her. David's eyes open as he gasps awake. Dr. Hopper had pulled him out, saying he had gone too deep into hypnosis. What did you see? asked Dr. Hopper. David begins, it was, but he stops and runs out of Dr. Hopper's office. If I was David at the start of this scene, I would have just fallen asleep immediately because Archie's voice is so relaxing. Really oh, is. Oh, it is. That's why there's been many, many times when I was playing Mass Effect at 2 a.m. and I woke up because Shepard was running into a wall. Because <laughs> <laughs> there was just the dulcet tones of Caden Alenko talking to me. <laughs> And I was like, oh God, I've just been running her into a wall for half an hour. <laughs> Back in the Enchanted Forest, Jiminy Cricket finds Prince Charming and helps to free him. Jiminy tells the prince that Snow can't remember who Charming is until she remembers who she is. We next see Snow tracking the queen and her caravan, preparing to shoot the arrow. <sighs> Narratively, I understand why they put Regina on horseback, but we always see her in her carriage. And this time it would make the most sense because it's snowing. Girl, your outfit is going to get ruined. Yeah, I get it. But I had the same moment because you actually see her carriage. It's there. Why isn't she in the damn carriage? It's because she wants everyone to see how hot she looks in her outfit. She's got this sweet new riding outfit and she wants to show it off, guys. And then she like magically scotch guarded her outfit too. So it'll be fine in the snow. I mean, it wouldn't be the weirdest thing she's done. <laughs> but we do actually know that Regina loves horses and riding horses, despite all that horse murder in episode two. So maybe she does kind of have these bold moments where she's like, fuck the carriage. I want to be free. We're away from people. I want to ride my horse. Like, yeah. I'm a horse girl, but evil. She is a horse girl. She <laughs> is a horse girl. girl. She's evil a horse girl. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I, I get that. Like I, I, and I figure she does, like she does go riding probably on the regular and probably did all throughout, you know, her marriage and everything, you know, that was probably like the one thing she enjoyed doing. I think it would have made more sense though, if there were people like lined on like, you know, like watching them go by and like waving there, what there wasn't any. Yeah, was there? it was like a, per no, it, they're yeah, just like going through the middle of a goddamn forest. There's because not, she's not a procession. Right, because she is trying to portray herself right now as the good, 
like a good queen yeah like the good the good guy and you know because she's in the middle of framing snow so yeah um, it honestly would have made more sense if it was like she's going to be going through this town at this time and it was like a procession and snow white had to like snipe her from a rooftop or something exactly it would have made so much more sense especially with her on horseback because it's like oh you're like i am your benevolent queen i'm totally not evil i totally didn't murder my husband oh look at me i'm so generous you know like they're throwing coins or whatever mm-hmm. out out to the rabble yeah i i i just feel like that scene was not constructed accurately yeah. oh no i mean i'm there for you because me and elise were watching it and i under my breath was just like why isn't she in her fucking carriage <laughs> and i was just like it's because she looks hot in her new outfit she wants people to see it I mean, it's a very I beautiful think I just, Yeah, which is why I think I pretty much just went, oh, I mean, I guess fair enough and moved on. Yeah, but I, <laughs> I think it, you know, I think it's, you know, it's obviously done for the plot device of being an easy target for Snow. But I think there is some subcanon reason there was the fact that Regina does love horses and riding. So maybe that's why. Yeah, I guess, I guess maybe like she would think like, you know, it, it's safe for me to ride out here because no one's no one's around she should have no at least been around. flanked by like two of her knights or something then she's like surrounded by first, guards i think she there's a pretty big space there's like a chunk of guards and there's regina and there's a space in between them and then there's another space and another chunk of guards in the carriage like if her security detail wasn't absolute fucking shit they should have had like a guy on either side of her yeah hmm but then again she's like fucking magic too so I, yeah. I feel like she has a lot of confidence in like, no one's going to try and fucking yeah. murder me. Come on. Yeah, I feel like she definitely I'm a badass has... bitch. Exactly. I was going to say, she's the vine that's like, I'm a badass bitch. You can't kill me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, whatever. Yeah, it, is plot, what it is. All, all, all plot devices come with a price. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the price is us talking about this for five minutes. Probably yeah. way longer than this <laughs> one decision actually warranted. Mm-hmm. But whatever. Whatever. It is what it is. Let's move on. Snow fires, but Prince Charming jumps in front of the arrow, piercing his shoulder and knocking him to the ground. Oh, Charming, you poor sweet himbo. He's such a cute dum-dum. I love him. Horrified, Snow dashes to him, demanding to know why he did that. And he reminds her that she claimed to appreciate actions over words, so now she is going to get both. Struggling to his feet, Charming tells Snow White that he loves her, but she once again reminds the prince that she doesn't love him. I don't even remember you, she says. He tells her he would rather die than let her fill her heart with darkness. You would really die for me, she asks. Amazed, Snow says that no one has ever done anything like this for her before, or been willing to die for her before. No one you can remember, Charming says. A single tear sparkles down Snow White's cheek as she contemplates him before moving closer for a tentative kiss. The kiss restores her love and memories of him. This scene is so sweet. But he just has an arrow sticking out of him the whole time they're smooching, and it's really a lot. I know, I'm like, be gentle with him. The, the arrow's right there, but, like, this is romantic as hell. But it's also oh. the end of Princess Bride with Jet Li. <laughs> Jet Li! <laughs> oh, but the adrenaline is blocking him. His, oh, yeah. He's blocking those pain receptors. Yeah, he's just happy for the smooch and that she's back. He just wants that. Well, yeah, because he's just a sweet simpleton. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a sweet simpleton who loves his lady. God, I love Charlie. Anyway, I'm getting off track here. (laughs) 
They share a moment of joy before King George's soldiers arrive, capturing the prince and holding back Snow White long enough to get away. And oh god, the guards ripped the arrow out of him, like the exact opposite way that you're supposed to remove an arrow. And oh my god, they did so much more damage to him with that move. It stressed me out. Well, I mean, do you really think they were trying to take care with him? No. (laughs) So what's the right way to rip an arrow? Okay, so you're supposed to break off the point that's sticking out. Mm -hmm. So you leave the arrowhead inside so it can be surgically removed. Or you just pull it straight out, you make a bigger hole going out. But if it just is sticking into you, you have to break off the shaft and leave it in there until you can get get to a place where this can be like surgically worked on or else you're doing way more damage than the arrow itself ever did ripping it out good to know that's your safety. that's your knowledge safety. that's that's your safety tip kids <laughs> safety first safety first they throw the prince into the enchanted patrol wagon and lead him away from snow who vows i will find you i will always find you Ugh, my sweet babies my heart this part i definitely i feel like i had i had a little had a little tear in my eye man i was feeling it these two really get me oh i love them i love them they're very cute back in storybrook prepare to be disappointed david visits mary margaret at the sheriff's station to tell her about his hypnosis session with archie because his memories are muddy and intersecting between the enchanted forest past and recent storybrook past he is beginning to believe that mary margaret wanted to kill catherine David wants Mary Margaret to explain why he possesses such a memory. And here, once again, we get the sharp contrast of how good Charming is versus the absolute fucking fuck story that is David. Yeah, this part is such a gut punch. It's brutal. Uh, I, I messaged you both my rage during this scene when I was writing it. I was just like, oh my god, David. It's, it's infuriating. It's awful. He's such a bastard like yeah (laughs) how is charming so good and then david is this and i mean i guess it's because you know curse and no more happy endings and so you know just curse has taken out like the good of a lot of these characters i mean it makes sense that he's particularly awful because you know regina specifically wants to punish snow wants to punish mary margaret but like that doesn't mean it doesn't hurt it's awful No, and it's such a fucking disconnect because like pretty much with everyone else, it's like if they were a decent person in the Enchanted Forest, they're still a decent person in Storybrooke. Yeah. Yeah. David's David's a bastard man. David's a bastard in this curse. Yeah, Curse David's a bastard. He is a bastard man. Appalled and heartbroken that David would even suggest she could commit such a horrific crime, Mary Margaret reminds David that when the odds were stacked against him, she still believed he was innocent. Now that the tables are turned, he not only cannot give her the same faith, but his words suggest he believes that she is capable of that kind of evil. Quietly but firmly, Mary Margaret orders David out and turns her back on him as she silently cries. God. Like, good for telling him to just get the fuck out. Good for her. But this whole part, it just makes me so goddamn angry. Literally everyone in this town thought David was the murderer, and she didn't even bat her eye about defending him and standing by him. But David has a dream about her in a goddamn Renfair costume, and he turns on her on a dime. Like, what a piece of shit. This poor woman. David, you are such a bastard. Did it not occur to you that the woman in your hypnosis-induced flashback was wearing Renaissance fair clothes and had long hair? Apparently not. Apparently, in this case, his stupidity is a detriment. Yeah, apparently his dum-dum carried over to this word, but like... 
Not in the sweet and dearing himbo way, just in an I'm stupid kind of a way. Yeah. But Mary Margaret Strong, just like, get out, is is so stellarly acted by Jennifer. She's so, so angry and so heartbroken. And uh, it guts me. She, uh, it's so good, but it hurts so bad. She is so good. It's, <sighs> it's a very, it's a very well-delivered line. And you're just like, good for you, girl. Good for you. Back in the Enchanted Forest, Snow returns to the dwarves. She gives Happy a new mug, replacing the one she broke, and apologizes to all of them. They realize she has returned to herself and embrace her in a big dwarf family hug. It's a happy reunion, but she has to leave again to go after the prince. The dwarves vow to go with her, grabbing their pickaxes, determined to show King George what Snow White and the seven dwarves can really do. I just love Snow and her boys. They are so, so sweet, and their group hug warms my heart. Huzzah! But seriously, finish your dinner. You're not going to storm any castles on empty bellies. Have fun storming the castle! But eat first. <laughs> In Storybrooke, Mary Margaret is making up the cot and finds a key. Curiously, she tries it out on the lock of her cell, surprised that it works. She debates the escape, but Emma returns with breakfast and Mary Margaret quickly locks herself back up. Emma breaks the news to her that the DNA of the heart matches Catherine, so she has no choice but to charge Mary Margaret with murder, though she believes Regina is framing her. Emma plans to take Regina on, but needs time to do it right. Despite Emma's determination to uncover Regina's motives and crimes, Mary Margaret voices her doubts. Emma begs for Mary Margaret's faith in her, which she agrees to. Emma leaves and Mary Margaret pulls out the key and contemplates it. This part really gets to me because Emma believes in Mary Margaret with her whole heart and is desperate for Mary Margaret to believe in Emma the same way. And we finally see Emma be vulnerable. She wants so badly for Mary Margaret and Henry as well. We've seen that in multiple episodes to believe in her. She wants to be there for them. She wants them to believe in her. And that's a big deal for someone as closed off as Emma Swan. And I think it's been a long, long time since Emma has wanted someone to believe in her that much. And then from the other side of it, you know, we have Mary Margaret and it just doesn't quite get through to her. And I think it would have a couple hours earlier. But after that last conversation with David, she's, you know, cut herself off from believing in anyone for, you know, even if it's just just a moment, just a short time here. She's cut herself off from that and has kind of returned to that bandit Snow White mode of doing what it takes to survive. And I think that's her motivator for, you know, what happens next. I mean, that makes sense. Because, I mean, the whole David thing was such a blow. Yeah. Yeah. That, like, as much as she loves Emma, like, when this person who you were, you know, in love with and put all your trust in just completely throws you under the bus, it's got to just kind of shake your faith in anyone having your best interest. Yeah, absolutely. So, I don't know. I don't blame her. Yeah, it's just such a shame because Emma's so reaching out to her in this moment. And you can tell how she's just she's just desperate for Mary to also believe in her. And, and Mary just can't in this moment. But these two actresses just, they they kill it. They absolutely kill it. Oh no, it. it's true. Yeah. I've, I've said it before. I could watch a whole show that was just them talking to each other and be perfectly happy. Oh yeah. yeah. Emma goes to visit Mr. Gold and tells him that Regina set up Mary Margaret. He is not surprised, but asks for evidence, which Emma does not currently possess. Emma needs his help. She admits that every time she has gone up against Regina, she has lost, except once, when Mr. Gold helped her to win her position as sheriff. Mr. Gold reminds Emma that she does not approve of his methods. 
she counters with her approval of his results, and this time Mary Margaret's freedom is worth going further than ever before. Mr. Gold calmly tells Emma that while Regina is powerful, Emma is more powerful than she knows. I just like that she's like, Mr. Gold, help me save my mom. Save her. Did mom. Okay. Well, I love this interaction. And you know me. I eat up every Mr. Gold and Emma interaction ever. No, 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 no. I live for it. I hate this pattern of the heroes running to Mr. Gold and our Rumpelstiltskin, desperate and willing to do, quote, whatever it takes, but eventually get their knickers in a twist when his methods are not up to their moral standards or he asks for payment for his services. In the long run, I think they just, they all really just sort of like, but you're not going to help me out of the goodness of your heart? And he's like, no, pay me. And they're like, doesn't the power of true love and friendship inspire you? He's like, no, pay me. <laughs> See, I, and I'm on his side with this because, I mean, to me, because like, you know, I'm, I'm someone who like was a freelancer for like 10 years of my life. And I'm like, and I think that's kind of like, it, it kind of like makes my eye twitch because, you know, the, the, the whole gig economy and like the paid unpaid internship and i'm just paid like, an mm-hmm. exposure yeah exposure yeah. can't we can't we can't i pay you an exposure can't i pay you in cookies and love and friendship no 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 pay no me. and he doesn't always ask for money in fact he rarely asks for money it's a barter system with him you know so i'm just like uh if you're not willing to pay the price i mean not that he's like you know in this situation asking for anything he's not but, you know, it's, it's just, it's part of a, a larger pattern. Do whatever it takes. Not that, though. Except to actually pay you for services rendered. Yeah. <laughs> in the Enchanted Forest, Rumpelstiltskin is at work in his laboratory. He plucks a strand of hair from the cloak he obtained from the prince and delicately places it in the vial where he previously placed Snow White's hair. The two strands emit a colorful glow as they intertwine. He places the vial on his shelf and the camera pans to the label. Rumpelstiltskin has bottled true love. We then briefly cut to Storybrooke, where Mary Margaret's jail cell stands empty. End credits. Dun dun dun! Bum bum! Overall, I, I think this is a pretty great episode. Starting from last week's Red Handed all the way through the rest of the season, I think it's just kind of one hit after another. If I remember correctly, it, the season ends very strongly. It does. It's it's yeah. a it's a good it's a good chunk of episodes. Yeah. Jennifer as Loveless Snow White is an absolute joy to watch. She's funny, ruthless, and pretty damn hot. I think we can all agree. So hot. <laughs> so hot. So hot. <laughs> this episode really plays around with your heart from the romance of Snow and Charming in the flashback, which just just tugs at your heartstrings in all the right ways, to David's betrayal of him actually believing that Mary Margaret could have literally cut out Catherine's heart and stashed it in her jewelry box in the woods is just gutting and like awful. (laughs) And this episode also lets us see Emma finally throw herself head first in belief. And while the belief isn't the storybook, yet it's it's in mary margaret and in some ways that's just as important she's throwing her belief in into another person and it just shows how much she's grown since we first met her in in pilot and it's it's good to see and it really really got to me on this this was watch through 
it's also a nice little episode for Henry. Uh, Emma, like, you know, after just a little bit of hesitation, you know, lets him into the investigation. You know, he learns that August also believes in the storybook and, and finds kind of another co-conspirator, even though he doesn't quite trust August, which I like very much. Which he uh, shouldn't, because August shouldn't, is yeah. garbage. He's not, he is not introduced into Operation Cobra. And uh, he finds a very important clue in proving Mary Margaret's innocence and, you know, helping Emma's belief. And I don't think this kid ever gets enough credit. I know we all love Henry, but I don't know, the fandom as a whole, I remember it was very mixed on Henry. and um, Which is stupid, because Henry stupid. is a very good boy. I think he's a great character, and I, I really love this kid, and, and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just think... It's a, it's a solid episode. This, this end of the season is just really strong altogether. We got some shaky parts in the middle there, but it's yeah. a... Oh it's boy, a, did we. It's and a great I mean, from, the from these same writers and directors, we got some shaky episodes because yeah. we have... We have the team that brought us Fruit of the Poisonous Tree, which mm, we all know how we feel about that. And the director who, while they directed Snow Falls, also did True North and What Happened to Frederick, which are, you know, mm, disappointed marge noise. One of the things uh, I know we've talked about before that we love very much is getting your feedback from all of you. And we had a, a question on Tumblr recently that, that sparked a discussion between the three of us. So... We were asked to reflect on Snow White, Mary Margaret's motto, which is the belief in a happy ending is a very powerful thing. Once Upon a Time stands on the thought that just believing in yourself and the goodness of those around you and in love in all its forms and in, and that magic is enough. The question is referring to like these chunk of episodes that lead up to the season finale, uh, asking us if the series like succeeds with this premise or not. Our listener has found that occasionally that Once Upon a Time stands against their own morals. So they're just sort of wondering our thoughts on it. Um, I think we'll maybe probably revisit this in greater depth at the end of the season, but we do have some thoughts, uh, some ruminations on this so far. Um, I agree. I think we all do that already Once Upon a Time has stood against its own morals. We were discussing earlier how fairy tales in general like are pretty black and white mm -hmm. and that's not a good message that's not a good motif to carry over into a modern day television show and sometimes mm, I'm, I'm frustratingly more than several occasions once upon a time does sort of bring that black and white thinking into into the plot into the stories and it's to the detriment of character development and and story development Lynn, you can extrapolate on this because you have yeah. the perfect example. Yeah, because my main thought on how it it gets so locked onto the idea of there needing to be like a tidy, happy ending to each various storyline that it like it does so to the detriment of the characters. And I think a really good example of that was actually the most recent episode, Red Handed, where even though like really looking at it, the whole relationship that Ruby and Grandma Lucas have is honestly pretty toxic but instead of examining that and showing that there's any cause for anything to have changed and that this will be a better environment for ruby to return to they just are like well the happy ending is just that ruby goes back to her grandma at the end and it's like but that's not actually a happy ending this was a very bad very toxic environment for ruby to be in but they're just like no she's back with her grandma it's a happy ending and it's not yeah it's it's interesting because i feel like there's some themes throughout the show very much ties back to Mary Margaret's message of the belief in a happy ending is a powerful thing and sometimes it it does work because we have this we have this whole build up that's been 
been going on that Emma doesn't believe. Emma doesn't believe. Emma doesn't believe. And we are finally hearing this this turning point where Emma starts believing in things. And that's kind of giving her more power in her situation. Sometimes they're really on the mark. For example, in this flashback, Charming believes. Charming believes he he can get through to the snow. And he he's just going to keep trying and he can get through to her. And he does. I mean, in that case, it does work. Yeah. I think part of the problem is they are very, like, in the cases of Red Handed, for example, they get very stuck on, like, I don't want to say it would be the stereotypical idea of a happy ending, even if it doesn't fit, but that's the best thing I could come up with. Because I feel like if they really wanted to, like, wrap up that, for example, and be like, it gets a happy ending, it would have been a more engaging and better story if Red's happy ending had been her staying with the sheriff's office and, like, finding herself and her own footing and her personal growth on her own path and that would have been a good happy ending for her and it still would have been a happy ending but it would have been outside of the boxes that once upon a time has already made for itself which we also talked about that episode because in addition to like this major theme one of the things they've really dug in their heels about is that like your blood relation is the end all be all so so they backed themselves into a corner and then did a cop out so they're like oh red riding hood being reunited with her grandmother that's a happy ending which in the regular fairy tale sure sure but in this situation in this world where everything's just a little worse yeah because in the the regular fairy tale her grandmother's also not you know humiliating her in front of the whole town and constantly calling her a slut not not to beat a dead horse here or nothing but uh not to beat a dead wolf here or anything (laughs) (laughs) but um they set up Granny to be this kind of caustic person, you know, and it's like, okay, well, now you have to sit with that, okay, and you have to, she needs, she needs to grow, like Ruby, yeah. Ruby can grow on her own, and what would have, like, I think, I think Ruby coming back to the diner, ultimately, yes, would be great, right, but. Um, I think it would need to be, as you said before, when we discussed in that episode. Yeah, would it like, after been, some like, time. Yeah. Yeah, like if it was the season finale or something, that'd be one thing. But like to have it within the same episode that she leaves, like... Yeah, everything just kind of gets a little rushed, which is so funny because they have 22 fucking episodes. Like nobody does that anymore. Yeah, Yeah, nobody does the hour-long 22-episode seasons anymore. So they could have taken their time and really like developed stuff. You didn't need shit like True North. Yeah, you granny, know. Could have, granny could have grown. We could have yeah. had a granny episode where we could have seen, oh, a young granny being like badass. And what happened with her and the wolf and all this kind of shit, you know? Yeah, but also her- the thing is, is that the Kitsowitz, they're stuck in this horrible fucking like loop of lost and like where they really chip their teeth. They're, they're caught in this lost formula of show just enough to get this episode done with and then later we'll revisit it with a flashback. Well, okay, but <laughs> that's all well and good for you, but this isn't lost. Like this isn't like like a huge mystery wrapped in an enigma that's, you know, cradled in a riddle. You know, that's not that's not what once upon a time is and they treat it like that when they keep doing like these formulaic flashbacks of, oh, we're going to jam these details in there because inevitably they retcon a lot of stuff one so you lose a lot of continuity and two you lose a little like you know faith and trust with your with your audience when you're sending out these messages 
and this is your first season, man. You got to put like your best impression and don't get me wrong. Like season one is super, super strong. It really, really is. Mm-hmm. But it, it does kind of fall flat when it comes to like this black and white sort of thinking when they contradict like their own moral and setup and stuff. Now that's not to say it's not successful. It is. It is in a lot of ways, but we also haven't gotten to those episodes yet, which is why we're kind of like shitting on this at first. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but we will definitely like talk about where it is successful in this because yeah, there is like a lot of emotional weight that once upon a time does carry with it, like positive emotional weight um, oh, absolutely. And, and significance. Yeah. I mean, and look the, at this, we're still talking about it. So. Exactly. And, yeah. and I think, you know, no spoilers, but I think something that we're all kind of excited about season two. And I think season two does a great job of exploring the gray. Yes, I, I, I have to agree with you there. Yeah, I think you're right, Elisa. I think season one is very black and white. And I think that's because they're establishing a lot of the characters, which mm-hmm. to be frank, there are way too many of. So they don't let like the strong supporting cast members like Ruby and Archie yeah, have- should both have way more lines. Who should have way more lines. Should be, he should be- in every episode in some capacity or nearly every episode was in some capacity, you know, like those are some strong actors with some strong characters and they should have been developed more Yeah, in season one, especially because we want to get to know them. We want to love them. Kids like, yeah, like again, Hansel and Gretel, I got nothing. I got nothing against like those kids or nothing. I'm just saying like that served no purpose, Mm -hmm. like none. No, whatsoever. it was a dead end episode. Yeah, it was and the, a dead end episode. The, they covered everything they wanted to accomplish with with uh, True North. I think they had already accomplished with Price of Gold. Yeah, same. Absolutely. And it's, it it's is worth, not to say yeah. that we couldn't have had a Hansel and Gretel episode. Oh, no, I just, we I just don't. I just don't think it should have been in season one. We already have yeah. like these characters. Stop throwing in more clowns in the clown car. Like that clown car is fucking full. Like and let's like, let's hang out with these people. It's a story that could have could have been done very well could have been done so well it could have had like its own like half season arc like with henry and they could have like gone and done like some cool hardy boys like and and nancy drew kind of shit you know that would have been great but it would have been great and it would have been so so great for jared like as as an actor because yeah uh, no i'd love that for him yeah that would have been awesome no they just fucking toss them in and then was, never was see them episode. we never talk about them we never hear about them again and i hate that i fucking hate that again i don't want to spoil anything so i'm not going to be talking about like the next what five episodes that we have yet to watch because you know we're now like in the uh final push the final push right the finishing line is is within sight uh for season one so we'll talk about like i think it gets a little bit more successful as the season goes on definitely yeah okay costumes yay so uh i'm not a fan of those cranberry colored slacks mary margaret wears um they were everywhere at the time though they were they were at the time yeah they were i was say i mean i'm with you i don't like them either but i had a pair yeah i know you Uh... did at the time at the time this came out they were big they were a thing tm Wow. I had cranberry colored skinny jeans. Yeah, you also have ones look like they were made out of your grandma's couch. Hell yeah, they were cool. <laughs> I was like, these are so ugly. I love them. That is, in fact, what you said when you bought them. I was with you. 
I also think it's the contrast with the mauve, like mulberry cardigan. It's all too dusty looking for me. I do like her blouse though. Yeah, her blouse was very cute. Mm -hmm. I like, Um, I which is sad because I think the blouse and the cardigan together are pretty cute. Very cute. Yeah. The like, yeah, the like the the pinky cardigan with her kind of like very subtly florally blouse is very cute, and that's something I would wear. But I would not wear them with pants. But I'm a bad person to weigh in on that because I don't wear pants ever. Yeah, I, I have like one pair of pants. So. I don't even have that anymore. I got rid of them in the move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no I have pants. no pants. Pants free life. Yeah, I wear leggings. I don't consider leggings. them pants. I have, I have so many leggings. I am a skater skirts on my off days, girl. What do you wear to keep your legs warm? Tights. Oh, uh, okay. So many tights. Whole drawer full of tights. I never mentioned this, but I do like all the dwarfs outfits. They're um, good. Yeah, I like that they're all not uniform, but they are mm-hmm. similar in their earthiness and stuff. Like they're good. They're really, they're really good. Yeah. Um, Rumpelstiltskin's dark gold and bronze coat that we see when Snow and Grumpy visit him is really interesting. Um, <laughs> it looks like it has princess like seams in it. <laughs> oh my gosh, does it really? Now I'm gonna have to go back and pay attention. Yeah, because it's very funny. slim and form fitting. Like Robert Carlyle. I mean, he was a very skinny young man, you know, like really streaming. But I, I do love that they kind of lean into like his leanness, you know, with all his outfits and stuff. But I thought that was like really interesting. It was very like almost like Russian about it. I don't know. It's really cool. I really like it. I appreciate it. It's interesting. I don't know if we'll ever see it again. It's really neat. But like I had to dig up some screenshots to take a closer look at the gorgeous detail, like the embossed pattern and the silver griffin head clasps. I don't, I don't, I don't think this is related, but I will I will rumble the fuck out of any scene. In the original script for Skin Deep, the castle that Maurice and Belle are at, um, their castle is actually being guarded by griffins. So I'm just saying. <laughs> you can find you can find it where you want to find it it's fine. i'll find it wherever i want yeah exactly <laughs> i will i will sniff out that rumble i like the outfit under the coat that we see in his second scene with charming it's a very nice bronze and brown outfit the only complaint i have is that his makeup looked a little greenish in some shots particularly the scenes with snow white it's because his makeup is reflecting the green screen those sequences oh. are, are, are almost full green screen sets um it's yeah. his makeup is reflecting the green screen that's another vote for having things just be in practical sets yeah, yeah. have you looked at things it? in the forest i know have you looked at any of like the behind the scenes stuff or the pictures of like the heavy green scene sets where it's just like all these actors in pretty costumes yes everything's green and then maybe there's like a flower pot or like a statue <laughs> yeah that in there. was that was like one of the gifts that was actually retweeted on our on our Twitter. That was um, Bell and Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah, it was Bell yeah. and Rumpelstiltskin, and they're like the only real thing in that room. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's a table. Yeah, yeah, the it table is because like also like I mean I've seen lots of we've seen lots of scenes with him in the castle, and he's never looked that green. So I think that, like that makeup the day just got like shiny. Well, I mean, I definitely yeah. also talked about in an earlier episode that like. Oh yeah, his, his makeup, makeup is, is pretty inconsistent. It's pretty inconsistent. Like, yeah. there's episodes where it's great and there's episodes where it, it's like someone did it for him in the dark and then threw him out. 
uh and this won't be giving anything away in the next episode we have a shot of the evil queen in a green screen room and it is like a green a subtle green halo around her hair oh my so god i'm gonna have to look for that they do a pretty good job it, it is pretty clean and with what they do but sometimes there's just a little a little green gets through um and it's specifically shown like look at the edge of hair and um reflected in makeup and skin tone yeah sometimes people look a little greener on the gills i do like queen regina's riding outfit I'm just irritated that she's on horseback and it's actively snowing, ruining her outfit. Well, I mean, at least she solved that. She did magical scotch guard. Magical scotch guard. And I definitely stand by the reason that she's riding it just to show it off because it it's so pretty. Also, is it just me or did Snow's black hood look like it was made from fun fur and velour? I did not notice. I will it just looked like extra fuzzy. <laughs> velour is a very sensual fabric. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's play uh, Who's That Guest Star? It's in which we give a little background info on the guest stars. In episode 16, we have no one new per se, but I do want to take a moment to talk about Raphael Savars, who plays Dr. Archie Hopper, aka Jiminy Cricket. Born and raised in New York City, Raphael got an early start on the small screen as one of the first smattering of children to appear on a new and innovative children's educational program called Sesame Street. Savars has an impressive list of, of credits ranging from stage, film, television, and video games. His stage roles include Hamlet, Ghosts, The Twilight of the Golds, and Voices in the Dark. In film, Savars has appeared in Risky Business, Vision Quest, Independence Day, and Pearl Harbor, among others. Aside from his role as Jiminy Cricket in Once Upon a Time, Raphael's cre television credits include Star Trek Voyager, The Guardian, The Young and the Restless, Murder in the First, 24, and Prison Break. Last but certainly not least, Raphael's voice has been featured in animation and video games such as Babes in Toyland, Avatar The Last Airbender, Grim Fandango, Star Wars Rogue Squadron, Star Wars Force Commander, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, Star Wars Republic Commando, and the Mass Effect franchise. Woo! <laughs> A good therapist is hard to find, and Archie Hopper, a.k.a. Raphael Savage, is a man of many, many talents. And we love you, Archie. We love we do. you. You know what I love almost as much as Archie? I love talking about timelines. It's time for Once Upon a Timeline. <laughs> oh, that was that, that was, was the best segue yet. <laughs> that, was, that was smooth. Yeah, smooth. it was smooth like butter, that one was. <laughs> like cottage cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so the key to placing this episode within the past 15 episodes is that Snow White is under the influence of the forgetfulness potion she obtained from Rumpelstiltskin. We saw that she had drunk this potion in the final flashback in episode 10, 7.15 a.m. We also see in these flashbacks that Charmy and Red are on the run from King George. And we saw the beginning of that particular chase in episode 12, What Happened to Frederick. And for placement, probably the next chronological flashback we've seen so far is likely episode one pilot. But since this flashback ends with charming himself in peril, we can tell there's going to be quite a few adventures between this and the glass coffin scene from the pilot. Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch, Emma leaves in search of Mary Margaret and instead finds herself trapped in the house of a seemingly dangerous man. In the fairy tale land that was, the queen calls upon the Mad Hatter to help her find something she has lost in exchange for his daughter's safety. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. 
We are the Narrators 3. The moral of this episode is, remember to magically scotch guard your clothing. You can find us on anchor.fm slash onceuponarewatch. Talk fairy tales with us on Twitter at onceuponrewatch. On Instagram at onceuponrewatch. On Tumblr at onceuponarewatch.tumblr.com. If you enjoy Once Upon a Rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on your platform of choice. I want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro is Fairy Tale Waltz. And remember, all pod devices come with a price. Um, we have, we do have, good thought, shh. <laughs> he wants to be on podcast. <laughs>